0: Oh, 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 That's usually what happens at the beginning of every episode. I think I'm going to leave that in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Halloween Podcast. I am your host, Lyle Perez, and joining me today is writer and game designer who goes by the name of Tyler. Tyler, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much. Great to be here. How are you doing today?
0: Doing good. Doing good. I got my coffee here. I got the store closed. Getting ready to record. We sound good. So we're good to go. Sounds great. And today, we're going to talk about Wendigos, who it is, what it is, and all the fine points in between. So Tyler, let's get started with yeah. what is a Wendigo? Because I don't know.
1: So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, if you go back to the origins, it is either a spirit or mythological creature from the Atlantic Coast Great Rit Lakes region of both the United States and Canada. So, uh, from my research, it appears to have originally had variations in about 30-odd Aboriginal groups. Um, What was widely known for the Ojibwe, the Cree, the Algonquin, and that's where we get Wendigo, although there then is tons of variations on it. And being from an oral tradition and from, you know multiple different cultural groups there is a lot of drift about what they are like um but the usually three main things that are always associated with the wendigo is hunger the cold and cannibalism uh then a lot of the time they're big uh, depending on where it is, they are either almost like an undead thing with desiccated skin, tattered a tattered body, looking like it's frozen. Uh, it, but there's definitely some variation on that. Uh, from that, we then had with, it seems like Algernon Blackwood in 1910, there began to be a bunch of appropriation of, of the Wendigo by various people from outside that culture creating kind of this this separate and parallel view of the Wendigo that has now reached everything from it's in Hellboy to Marvel Comics to Supernatural to Lovecraft. All have this variation on the Wendigo, which is based on the original mythology, but definitely takes some different liberties and changes with it.
0: Okay, so... Um... My next question is, is it just one
1: Wendigo, or are there many of them? So, based upon the usual interpretation of it, there are a couple different views on it, and they are either usually a spirit, or it is more of a thing that can happen to someone. Uh, they are They begin their life as humans, and then are either, depending on the myth and depending on the story, are either possessed by this Wendigo spirit that changes them, or something in them changes, and they become Wendigo as a punishment for either eating someone else or otherwise upsetting the natural order.
0: So cannibalism. Yes. Crazy Wendigos.
1: So yeah, there is definitely not just one of them. They are more of a thing that can, that humans can become and uh, they then definitely change and leads to a variety of the myths surrounding them. Uh, modern commentators and observers, you know, more of this than I do, talk about you know, them being this combination of mythological boogeyman type figure and also being this kind of, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, almost like part of a legal norm of being pushed out of humanity itself is part of the punishment for these greatest of taboos. And there's been some some very interesting discussions and trying to determine the origins of this myth and determining how it interacted with, tab- with taboos and how it dealt with... Famine and some of the other difficulties that are often faced in the winter, which seems to be the time of the windigo.
0: So, it kind of could be seen as like a like an evolutionary thing, where we evolve into eating our own kind.
1: That's that's that is definitely a version. Yeah, a, a take on it is we become this thing, very much like like zombies or vampires or any of these other supernatural things that start as human and then become something else. Uh, quite a few people have tried to make anthropological ties between the wendigo and the vampire or the leshen from uh russian folklore but there is there is definitely some sort of underlying anthropological purpose of having these cannibal figures these individuals that consume others and in, in turn become a very otherworldly being themselves and definitely trying to demonstrate them as being something else and something that is not to be celebrated.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be in the same uh, category as cannibalism, I'm, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what, what exactly does a wendigo mean? Like, what does the word mean?
1: So, there's some differentiation on that, and it has been a little bit tricky to pin down where the, the origin of the words come from. Um, the, the stuff I read suggested that it comes from a, a much earlier version of, they think it comes from a much earlier version of Algonquin word, which means owl. Um, but then again, like, that's an older academic citation, and I don't know, I don't know where that word initially comes from, or where that name comes from.
0: Yeah, like most words in the English uh, language, we don't know where they came from. We just have them. I mean, I've been talking since I was, what, two, three? And I don't know where most of these words come from, yeah. but I know them. So what is he, what, what does a Wendigo look like?
1: So yeah, there, there's a lot of variation, um, and it's difficult to differentiate out uh, uh, settler accounts and settler ways of, of defining them and trying to... Trying to pin them down in, in tellings because it's a lot of it's de- a lot of a game of telephone, where a lot of the first versions we have of a wendigo in the way that history is usually approached through written tellings, is from the Jesuits, and it's this strange off-handed comment of just like oh and then there was a wendigo, uh, there were these wendigo things, uh, it, it compares them to werewolves. Um, but doesn't really describe them. Um, other than they're just, they're people who act really strange. Uh, and then we start to get different tellings of them much later that, again, often say that they're incredibly pale. Oftentimes they're giants. Um, but then sometimes those myths, when you go back to original sources, like in Algonquin culture, in Algonquin culture, it seems that they're not giants. So there's definitely some inconsistency to that. Uh, they are almost always variants on a human. But again, there's a lot of differentiation on how they appear.
0: Yeah, because... And then I, once you
1: get into modern... Oh, sorry,
0: yeah. I heard that um, sometimes they, they look like um, they're always standing upright most of the time um some -hmm. can be really tall they they have like i have heard some people say that they look like um they have like wolf faces uh and they have like antlers uh really long orangutan arms and then i've heard other ones like you just described they they they're small they're really pale looking they look like humans um in some of the um, artist renderings that I've seen, it kind of looks like, like the orcs from uh, The Lord of the Rings, they, when they're being born. That's kind of what it looks like. Yep. Um, yeah, so, there's... So, so yeah. the question is, how, how do we know that these two things that look completely different are the same thing? Or can they be... Um, are, are they two different things that everyone just keeps meshing together?
1: I mean, I think a big part of it goes back to Alderdon Blackwood, of... He wrote a short story called The Wendigo in 1910. And he described... He was the one who kind of started this other definition and and description of The Wendigo that gave it the antlers and makes it giant. And like you said, the orangutan arms. And a lot of that comes in later and is adapted by people who are, you know, who are changing the myth and, and creating something different from beyond what the original what the original view was and what the original mythological creature was or or traditional or spiritual creature that um, was part of a culture here. And they instead are importing all these other ideas and traits to it. I, I think that you're getting a lot is brought in from... Um, you said the modern one with the horns and the, and the canine face. I think a lot of that is coming in from again this game of telephone of you have you know aboriginal peoples telling white people who don't know what they're talking about and then in turn start adding their own definitions and their own comparisons and even in the very first the very first instance we hear about them being compared to werewolves and being and as a result they're given all these canine tendencies but when you go back to the original sources and you go back to the oral tradition that's not there so I think that a lot of it comes from the, the what's the word for it? The adaptations and the stories that are part of pop culture that we've drawn on and we've created this new aberration that exists apart from the creature that was originally there. And again, I think a lot of it's being taken from um, other folklore and people are drawing comparisons that aren't necessarily warranted. It could
0: be that most of these people aren't really seeing sightings. If they're not seeing the same thing, they're just hearing the stories and then coming up with their own conclusion at the end. Definitely, that's kind of what what it feels like to me. Um, but these creatures, uh, we know they're they could be really tall. Uh, they could be, I don't know, up, I'm guessing like eight feet tall, which is I don't know two and a half feet taller than me. <laughs> so these things can tower. Yeah. Um, do do they like? Like, we know what they look like. We know they're tall. Do they ever talk?
1: So, and again, this is kind of one of the weird things about dealing with that, with telling that this old and mythological is that's inconsistent as well. Um, the, the general, kind of one of the general themes seems to be that the longer they are as a Wendigo, the less and less they, you know, the less and less they resemble humanity. Um, with some. Versions of the tale. Oh, they, they
0: can, yeah. they can turn back into human. Is that what what that no. comment was? Okay,
1: uh, probably not. There's there is some stories about the Wendigo spirit being forced out, but usually the person dies in the process. Okay, gotcha. Because um, <laughs> yeah, thought, they are.
0: I, I thought they were gonna like yeah. they they go back to kind of like how beauty and the beast he's the he's you know beauty or oh, he's he's a prince yeah. and then he's a beast and then he's a prince again so i was kind of thinking oh wow, well, you the, people could actually come back from that type of stuff but i guess not uh,
1: nope nope they again it, it's cannibalism is one of those big taboos and you don't really get to come back from it yeah once a zombie always a zombie definitely
0: so continue do, do uh, they talk
1: <laughs> yes so so, it, it, it seems like a lot of the time that they can't talk, but there's been a couple of stories um, that I've, heard, I've, I've read or heard reference to, and again, these are not primary sources tapping into the oral tradition here, but I've heard some stories about them being able to impersonate others, or, you know, maintain some semblance of it, but it, again, it's not a consistent one, and a lot of the time, you know, they're they're often portrayed as supernaturally strong and always hungry even if they can talk it's often not what they're gonna do they're a lot of the time it's it's kill a person eat them and then go find the next person wash rinse and repeat is kind of their modus operandi
0: hmm okay so killing eating is pretty much how one turns into a wendigo how come jeffrey Dahmer didn't <laughs> turn into a wendigo
1: That's a great question. Um, I've seen some people who are a bit out there, um, but believe that, you know, it it has to be from eating someone in certain parts of Canada. Maybe the spirit has to be there. And others suggest that, no, just... Some have suggested that just the practice of eating human flesh was, like, that was the... Once you do that, you are a Wendigo, and it might just be a metaphor for these people who have had one or more mental illnesses.
0: Yeah, it, it, I guess it, that's a good way of looking at it. There, There's really no actual physical Wendigo. It's just, like, something that inhabits your body at a certain point. When you start craving human flesh, that spirit goes inside of you and just just never leaves. So probably in the afterlife... Um, you turn into that Wendigo, and then every now and then people see him wandering around. Yeah. So, is there any other way one person can turn into a Wendigo other than killing and eating someone?
1: Um. Sometimes in the stories, it's also just from like being too greedy. Uh, if you were if you were too greedy, or you also just hung out with a Wendigo, or were too accepting of Wendigos, those are other ways that you could become a Wendigo all the time. Um, one of the biggest suggestions seems to be that, you know, this is a myth, or this is a story about, like, hey, engage in moderation, be cooperative, and, you know, when times get tough, stick together.
0: So yeah, um, in my little bit of research that I did, I came across something called Wendigo Psychosis. Do you know anything about that?
1: Yeah, so this is a fascinating one. Um, if it exists, which we're going to talk about whether it does but if it exists, it appears to be what's called a culture-bound syndrome, which is, there's a small number of these, that it is basically a syndrome that only exists amongst certain cultural groups. Um, So the, the belief from psychologists and psychiatrists is that basically by believing in, in in something and having this social and cultural reinforcement, it's almost like a form of hysteria of a thing happens because you believe that is what's supposed to happen to your mind. Um, and there's a lot, a lot of these that have been suggested all over the place. Um, I, I, I'm looking at a list on Wikipedia from the DSM 4 of, you know, looks like 20 of them. Uh, And so that's kind of starting the bit. If it exists, it's that. The big question about Wendigo Psychosis is whether it actually exists. Um, A lot of people draw from a single academic paper from the 1970s, which in turn is mostly drawing upon, like, records from the 1800s. One case of claimed Wendigo Psychosis is of, of a man named Swift Runner from 1878, um, where his family killed the elder son and ate him, which then pushed him to kill his wife and remaining five children and eat them in order to suppress his appetite. He later confessed and was executed at Fort Saskatchewan. Um, there's another one in 1896 where someone reported a creature in Trout Lake in northern Alberta who said that a man reported a weird creature um, and then a bunch of the villagers from the town said oh yeah, it's a Wendigo and then hunted it down and it looks like him, down, killed him, and buried him. And it's like, no, it's a Wendigo, it's what you do to them. After that, there's not really a lot of concrete cases, especially anything resembling modern times. There's a case from 2014 um, in Pakistan where a man was found being a cannibal, and some people suggested that might have been Wendigo Syndrome. And again this order psychosis I should say. And again, this goes back to that original question of is it an explanation for a behavior that happens sometimes? Or is it a story or is it a belief that once once the idea is believed in, it starts to gain strength and it becomes a thing that can happen.
0: Yeah, it could become, you know, a physical being as what some of these people see. But, I mean, to to me, Wendigos, if they exist or they don't exist, I don't know. I've ne- I personally, mm-hmm. I've never seen it. Um, but the idea of it is astonishing. Like, if yes. somebody were to eat somebody else, there has to be an explanation for it. They're, they can't just say, this happened because it. It happened. They say no. It happened because there's this evil spirit called a Wendigo that inhabited this person. So now this person is a Wendigo, and that that type of stuff just fascinates me. How people can't just believe that you know stuff happens, and I mean it, it's just I don't know. I don't know. Wendigos. It, it's it's all this stuff's just way fascinating.
1: Yeah. It. It. it you're definitely. I think you're definitely on onto something there. Of sometimes you know one of the scariest things that there is is other people and what they're willing to what they can do when driven to desperation uh and yeah you see you you see these stories about them and it's easier to i think it's easier for our minds to accept that like oh no that's something supernatural that just couldn't be a person driven to desperation uh, there's actually a novel that was written by a Canadian writer named Joseph Boyden, who right now there's a bit of a uh, fiasco in literary circles about him and his background, um, which I'm not going to get into, I'm just going to acknowledge that it's there. Right. Um, he wrote a, a novel called Three Day Road that grapples with the Wendigo, and the novel itself leaves it leaves it very open to interpretation whether... When the Wendigo is an actual supernatural being or whether it is just, you know, the result of what happens when people are forced to try to survive a Canadian winter and going for, you know, days at a time without food or especially without meat if the hunt's been bad and you're living in a society that, you know, you're relying upon social and, and logistical structures that have not, like, Have been part of our lives since before we were born, and just the the desperation of what you might do if you are literally starving to death, and you realize that like the only way to stop that pain is to kill and eat someone you love.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I guess nowadays why we don't really we probably don't hear of Wendigos. I mean, uh, I'll say this now: I I'm not knocking on anyone who wants to believe that there's Wendigos out there. Uh, I, I'm not knocking that at all. You can believe whatever you want to believe, and I'm perfectly fine with that. But me personally, mm-hmm. it—I I mean, it's if it's there, it is. If it's not, it's not. That—that's kind of how we have to look mm-hmm. at it. So, to me, I'm thinking more or less why we really haven't seen many of these sightings is probably because we don't live like that anymore. We—we we have. You know, if I'm hungry, I can just go down to McDonald's and go get myself something to eat. I don't need to go into a wilderness to go hunt for my own food. Be to the point where I'm starving so much that I need to to look at my next door neighbor and say, "Hey, um, I could probably turn that into a T-bone steak, and then have that spirit inhabit me." Um, that I, I'm maybe that's kind of why we don't see it nowadays. Because I mean, times change. That's 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 how it is.
1: Yeah and i think there is i think that speaking to that you know whenever the Wendigo appears in pop culture now it tends to be about it tends to focus a lot more on the greed and the avarice and less on the oh i had to eat a person
0: yeah that makes more sense with with nowadays is you know having the greed having mm-hmm. um all of that stuff instead of having the appetite to eat human flesh yeah but who knows i mean cuz now nowadays zombies are really popular the next thing we need now is Somebody to come up with a story about Wendigos and zombies fighting each other because they they want to eat yeah. whatever was left of humanity, so they're going to duke it out. That's a story waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, so, do we have anything else we want to say about Wendigos?
1: Um, I the last little bit is that like like you said, I did we did a quick, quick chat and search before the show started, and there have not been many, if any, sightings anytime recently. The only one I found was by a not super reputable source, um, but saying that, oh, there was some creature seen uh, in the middle of nowhere in Canada in 2014. Maybe it was Sasquatch, maybe it was a Wendigo. Who knows? Sometimes we just see weird creatures. Oh, yeah, so I was going to say, so I think that a lot of people, it doesn't have the same, it doesn't have the same, doesn't have this, same hold that it once had on people and I think that uh, I know a lot of aboriginals are trying to you know, rightfully reclaim this figure in, in their mythological and spiritual practices that we're seeing immensely commodified. Um, it's in a bunch of TV shows and comics and all over the place and it is definitely fascinating that a creature who's about greed um, is being used for such commercial enterprises.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's it in a nutshell, really. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts? I mean, we, we you just talked about it a little bit. What are your thoughts about some of the other mythical creatures that are, are said to be out there, like the Bigfoot, uh, the Chupacabra, uh, the Jersey Devil, all of that stuff? Well, what are your thoughts on some of
1: those? So, yeah, I like to joke that... I am. I'm a wannabe scientist, and at the same time, I am an optimist. In that, like, I always want. I always want there to be more, the more interesting things. I always want there to be m- new discoveries. In the same way that every time there's a new movie, almost no matter who makes it, I want it to be a good movie. And I might see it and not like it. And I want a lot of these things to be real because. because we live in a fascinating world that's already full of things that don't really make sense at first glance, and there's no reason that there can't be more of them. And then I, I tend to go into, like, what's the what's the over-under on specific things? Like, the Jersey Devil, he's such an odd one. Like you said, it's such a, a minor one that with relatively few sightings, and it's become more of a cultural phenomenon versus other ones like Bigfoot where it... it has some more legs to it and you keep seeing a lot of different people seeing it or hearing about it. Um, so I guess what it comes down to is I want a lot of them to be true for one reason or another, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm quite a bit of a skeptic.
0: I kind of hold the same exact um, arguments. Like I, I, I would love for these things to be real. I would love for just out of the blue scientists come up and they go like yeah look here is bigfoot we've known for you know 10 years uh reason why we didn't say anything was because uh, we liked that everyone was going crazy over something so dumb (laughs) and here it is and that's the end of it i mean what like i don't know what can we really expect to happen if we actually figured it out like aliens okay aliens come down and they say what's up. We say hey, and then they take off, and that's the end of it. Like, is it really going to bother me the rest of my life saying hey, um, hey children? Remember that one time where the the aliens came, or where they found Bigfoot, or they you know Loch Ness monster is really there and it tastes delicious? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know where we would go after if we
1: figure these things out or not. One of those things that you have to figure out. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you find out something new and it doesn't change the world. And other times you do and it does. And it's just surreal how it happens sometimes, right? Uh, you know, you know we, no one expect, no one expected the cell phone to change everything, but it did.
0: Oh, yeah, the cell phone has changed numerous things. I mean, um, but there's other people that say that the uh, like all the cell towers and everything, they're emitting something that's killing us. And I'm like, man, the sun's killing us. Anything is killing us. Like mm-hmm. we're we're gonna die from whatever is gonna be there, so I should just continue living my life as comfortably as possible. Uh, that's my view, nice. at least. Cool. So I guess that that's gonna do it on our discussion of Wendigos. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much Thanks for having me.
0: Cool. And uh, where can people find you if they want to uh, either read some of your books or check out some of your stuff? Uh, where where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So um, at right now you can find all my stuff at omichinski.com, which is my last name, and I have to come up with a better URL for that because it used to just be where I would send clients to be like, hey, go look at my portfolio. But it's m-i-c-h-i-n-s-k-i.com. Um I have books there, comics. Uh, it, kind of, it will direct you to where you go to get the different things you want. Or we I have a new website by the time this airs, which is brokenthings.ca That's b-r-o-k-e-n T-H-I-N-G-S.ca, which is going to be a group talking about what it means to be a creative, how to do that, and just getting ourselves involved in a bunch of different projects. We already have a bunch on the go, and we're excited to show that and share that with the world.
0: Perfect. There will be some links in the show notes for all of you guys, so uh, make sure you guys go and check out Tyler's stuff, because I'm going to as soon as this episode is over with. And uh, we'll go from there. So that will do it for this episode of the Halloween podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash the Halloween podcast. You could also find us on Twitter at the Halloween pod. If you'd like to support the show, you can do it a couple of different ways. You can go to iTunes and leave us a five star review. Those always help. You could also go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the Halloween pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. And Tyler, thanks again for coming on, man. Thank you so much. You take care. You too. Talk to you later. Bye.